0: You're listening to WJMSradio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up show starts right now.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Fired Up, right here on WJMSradio.com. This is Steve. I host the show each week. And once again, we're going to dig into the political machine here in the United States. Uh, We've had another busy week here in the second full week of 2021 as we get ready to head into the most critical days of our political leadership. But first, we'd be remiss if we don't handle a couple of pieces of housekeeping. Uh, Number one, let's uh, take a look at the COVID numbers as we always do. And uh, the number of cases that have been reported so far in the U.S., uh, 24 million and 397.3 uh, thousand people have perished from COVID-19 coronavirus in this country. And likely by the end of today, when this show is broadcast, that number will likely be uh, over 400,000. Uh, so we continue to just see astronomical numbers uh, with some hope in sight. Uh, one of the reports out is that a total of about 16 million vaccinations uh, have been conducted already. Uh, that number is way below the projection of where we need to be in order to get to uh, the, the fully vaccinated slash herd immunity uh, level that we want to be at in order to have this pandemic under uh, better control but uh, the numbers continue to grow and with the new administration coming in and some additional plans and some revisions and and add-ons to what's already been accomplished uh, hopefully we will see the number of vaccinations grow by large numbers as we move through the coming weeks and months so you know we we continue to have hope but we need to make sure that in addition to this hope uh, in in terms of our the vaccine and additional vaccines that are going to come to the market we still need to maintain our vigilance in terms of what we do from a personal responsibility standpoint and that is to make sure that you know when we're out in public that we're wearing a mask or if we are in a social situation where we can't distance by at least six feet that we wear masks we should make sure that we continue to avoid large gatherings and also that we practice you know, all levels of personal hygiene that the doctors and scientific community have recommended that we do. You know, and That includes uh, hand washing uh, frequently, uh, the use of hand sanitizer when washing isn't an option, uh, making sure we avoid touching our face, uh, particularly our eyes, nose, and mouth. So... You know, we, we are continuing to make slow progress, but we are continuing to make some progress. Uh, in order to try and, and lower or flatten the curve on the number of infections and the number of people uh, ultimately uh, who, who uh, die from the disease, please, let's make sure we're doing what we can to keep ourselves, our families, our communities, and our country safe. Second piece of housekeeping. Uh, today is Monday. It is January 18th, which means it is Martin Luther King Day. And uh, particularly apropos, as we think about Dr. King and the work that he did through his life and the message that he brought to us and continues to bring to us as you know, we look back upon what he accomplished And, you know, look forward as to what we need to accomplish. I think it's interesting to consider that given the, you know, political and unrest that we've seen over the last few years uh, and the social, uh, economic, and racial distances that divide us as a nation right now. I think, you know, in, in my opinion, he would be, you know, calling out you know, in no uncertain terms um, the, the actions that we need to take in order to reach out and seek to understand uh, across both sides of the divide. We need to find, you know, common ground in, in terms of our, you know, political and social differences. We need to, you know, move forward with, you know, m- more love and understanding in terms of our racial differences that continue to to plague our country and you know in all we need to make sure that that we are bringing messages of peace and understanding into everything that we do Uh, you know he would I I think and 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 rightly so uh, continue to be called you know the drum major for peace and nonviolence in this country and his message rings out to us over the years and down through the years. Uh, and, and it's something we need to not lose sight of or hold of, particularly in these times uh, with the difficulties that we face. So, you know, if you haven't already, take a moment today and just kind of think back. Um, you know, go online, look up some of uh, Dr. King's writings, look up some of his speeches, listen to them again. And, you know, listen to them with that that third year of understanding and putting them into the context of where we are today as a nation and as a collection of individuals in this country. Uh, We have come a long way as a nation. We have come a long way uh, with regard to people of color in this this country. Uh, We've come a long way in regard to white people in this country as well, but we still have a very long way to go to get to the, the dream that Dr. King spoke about on the Washington Mall, oh, those so many years ago. So thinking as always about Dr. King, but particularly on this day that we set aside to celebrate his life and his legacy. You know, keeping, keeping that in the back of our mind, um, you know, we have had just another tumultuous week on uh, Wednesday, January 13th of this year, the U.S. House of Representatives voted 232 to 197 to impeach President Trump, uh, with 10 Republicans joining all of the Democrats in the House voting for impeachment. Uh, The article of impeachment charges the president with inciting insurrection through his actions and words in the weeks and months leading up to the January 6th violent invasion of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. And we've all watched that, you know, multiple times on on any media source that we've been paying attention to. The article cites not only the the events, rather, of the 6th of January, but includes as, quote, prior efforts to subvert and obstruct, close quote, the conclusion of the election of 2020, specifically with uh, the call that was made by president trump to the georgia secretary of state to pressure him to quote find close quote enough votes to overturn the election results in the georgia presidential election this effort included overt threats made to the georgia secretary of state's position um, so you know the article if convicted in the senate once it moves over to the senate for trial would uh, remove him from office uh, and disqualify him from holding any elected office as well as forfeit all federal benefits for former presidents as defined by the Constitution. Now the removal of office is kinda dependent on when this uh, article comes over to the Senate and given that the inauguration actually is the day after tomorrow Uh, it is highly unlikely that, you know, the, the president is going to be removed from office. However, uh, all indications are that the impeachment trial would move forward with the ultimate, uh, decision being made if he's convicted that would prohibit him from holding any elected office or high honor, uh, office in the country, uh, for the rest of his life, um, the, uh, you know, as, as we say and, and as I say to you today, uh, it, it's not clear when exactly the Senate will hold the trial. Um, but as I said, given that it hasn't been scheduled ahead of the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, it's likely not going to trial for some undefined period of time. It could be weeks, could be months. Uh, we don't know. However uh the the intent of the the house is to bring the the articles to the senate and you know once the house brings the articles and presents them to the senate the senate is required under our constitution and under the law to conduct a trial uh it has to happen so you know we will see how that progresses forward going on um But, you know, it is it is going to be uh, another uh, test of our, you know, political systems and our political structures. It's going to be a tumultuous time. Uh, There have been already, you know, as as we all witnessed the assault and invasion of the U.S. Capitol, as well as recorded threats and um, intelligence information citing threats to State houses and, and other important targets in all 50 states. Uh, so you know it, it is going to be a a, a a very distressful time, and you know the call is going out from all corners to you know have you know peace uh, to if if protest is going to happen to have them be nonviolent. You know just we we have the right to to protest in this country. We don't have the right to commit commit acts of violence. So, you know, we we look at this and, you know, and consider it And given the fact that, as I've said, you know, President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Harris will be inaugurated on Wednesday, the day after tomorrow. And, you know, you have to wonder, you know, what could this mean in terms of the incoming Biden-Harris administration? And I, I think, you know, it, it's clear that from indications that have come out of the Senate in particular um, that the, the incoming administration uh, is likely to face, you know, much like the Obama-Biden administration did, uh, you know, in, in 2008, uh, you know, possible Republican obstruction tactics in the Senate. On a range of his proposed initiatives, um, you know, and it, it should be noted that since the uh, election, and, and something to take note of, uh, the the tone and tenor of many of the Republican arguments have changed. Um, they are talking a whole lot more about the impacts of Biden's initiatives on you know the, the deficit and the budget. Uh, more so than on any other uh, segment of, of impact that it might have, uh, particularly in, in talking about the cost of the pandemic response. Um, just this past week, um, Thursday, last Thursday to be exact, uh, by, uh, President-elect Biden laid out a $1.9 trillion, um, what he called American Rescue Plan plan which includes uh, additional monies going to individuals to make the $2,000 that was uh, proposed uh, by you know, President Trump and the Republican Party to the American people yet ended up being only $600 uh, coming out. Biden is proposing you know increasing or a second round of, uh, checks going out that would bring that amount up to the $2,000 know, stimulus payment that was promised. And, you know, among that and among other things, including funding for vaccine distribution, uh, funding for state and local governments and other things that were left out of the, the bill that was signed um, back in early January by President Trump and would move forward uh, those goals. It's also clear that, you know, as we've said, with the potential trial coming down the pike, uh, whenever it happens, it's going to be a big distraction, you know, for, for the public. Uh, it's going to, you know, in, in, inflame uh, and agitate among the Trump and conservative uh, side of the Republican Party. It, you know, potentially, you know, could lead, and we hope that it doesn't, but potentially could lead to, you know, more violence and protest. Um, It is, it's really going to be uh, hard for us to get through it and for the Biden administration to work through it. But they have committed that they are going to move forward, you know, full speed. And get their agenda, you know, started and looking to get and make big progress on their first 100-day goals. So, you know, as we talk about the impeachment, you know, if, as I said, if um, President or by then former President Trump is convicted, uh, the only available punishment would be the lifetime ban on holding elected office and loss of federal privileges. Uh, as you know, he will no longer be out of office. So, you know, this is absolutely going to lead to more of the victim whining uh, of, of Trump and his supporters. Um, for the country, though, uh, I, I think it's going to mark you know, a milestone or a turning point in starting the work of restoring much of what was lost or damaged over the last six years so you know there there's a lot of discussion going on about the impacts of impeachment Uh, there is a lot of discussion uh, that is being held over the investigations into the invasion of the u.s capitol building uh to date the um fbi has opened up investigations on more than than 300 people and i believe it's it's climbing up toward 400 uh, as we speak, and there have been well over a hundred arrests made of individuals who were inside the Capitol building, uh, leading the the insurrection, creating the damage, and threatening the elected officials that were in the building, including you know some very blatant and overt threats against Vice President Mike Pence, calling for him to be hanged, uh, and threats made against Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other you know leaders uh, senators and congress people uh, who were in fact voting in favor of uh, certifying the electoral college results which obviously was against what the protesters wanted to see happen uh, and it it goes to you know as we talk about on this show uh, frequently we talk about the games uh, that are played in the political circles. And what we have heard coming out of the discussions sur- surrounding this invasion is an attempt to blame it on you know, groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And you know it, it, on the face of it, that just is crazy. Uh, I've spent a good deal of time studying the pictures that have been uh, posted around the actions that happened at the Capitol, and I estimate—you know, no means scientific—but if five percent of those protesters were people of color, uh, that would be an amazing number. Uh, it it just wasn't so. So, you know, we we as a country, we've got a lot of healing to do. Uh, we've got a lot of work to be done. And, you know, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris are going to have a, a pretty substantial hill to climb, both in terms of getting their agenda accomplished uh, through Congress. Even though, you know, the Democrats now control all three branches um, or all three legs of the, the government, the executive and the legislative branch, um it is still not a certainty that their agenda is going to sail through. While it's true they have, you know, 51 votes uh, in the Senate, uh, which is all they need for most everyday legislation. When they run across uh, those bills that are going to need, you know, a two-thirds majority, um, like the Im- impeachment conviction, uh, they're going to need to be, and they've already started working with. Uh, Republicans to find people with whom they can establish some common ground and, you know, hopefully get things that this country needs done. Uh, As I said earlier, Vice President, I'm sorry, President-elect Biden has uh, put forward a bold agenda uh, for things that he wants to accomplish in regard to the response to the pandemic. Uh, There's also going to need to be some major league efforts in terms of reestablishing, you know, the American leadership in foreign policy. And, you know, he has named, you know, quite a few people to his cabinet that are going to be very helpful in that regard. So, you know, we are going to just have to, you know, continue to be strapped in, continue to be paying attention, uh, continuing to communicate with our elected officials. And let them know, you know, in in particular, let the Democrats know that, okay, now that you're here, we have expectations on what you need to get done. And we want to make sure that you do, in fact, get them done. So uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break here and set up for our next segment. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSradio.com. This is Steve. We'll be right back after this very brief break.
2: I think that is an answer to that myth, and it is that time is neutral. It can be used either constructively or destructively. And I'm absolutely convinced that the forces of ill will in our nation, the extreme rightists in our nation, have often used time much more effectively than the forces of goodwill. And it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words of the bad people and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. Somewhere we must come to see that social progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability, It comes through the tireless efforts and the persistent work of dedicated individuals. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the primitive forces of social stagnation. And so we must help time, and we must realize that the time is always right to do right.
1: And welcome back. Uh, You're tuned to Fire It Up right here on WJMSradio.com. And this is Steve. I host the show each week. Welcome back. So uh, let's pick up a little bit and continue, as I ended off the last segment, uh, starting to talk about the political games that are going on in the uh, Senate and the House uh, at the national level. And, you know, I've already mentioned how... The response to the impeachment vote uh, is going to be kind of an overarching um, amount of background noise to the first hundred days of the Biden administration, Um, but let's to consider that a little bit, and I want to talk specifically about uh, the, the games that are being played and how this impeachment debate and other things that are going to be coming before the house and senate and the biden administration um how they are impacting and what we can expect to see from our elected leaders and what we should be on the lookout for um you know and and it's clear that after the house took up the impeachment debate um senate leader mcconnell and house minority leader mccarthy stated on the record That they did not intend to whip the votes against impeachment conviction of Donald Trump. Uh, Basically, uh, this gives the Republicans in the House and the Senate uh, the freedom to, you know, vote their, quote, conscience, close quote, with regard to impeachment. Um, If you're not familiar with the term uh, whipping the votes or whip the votes refers to the process uh, the parties use to count and verify the votes on a particular issue. Uh, that is, if, if there is a vote coming up in the House um, or in the Senate, uh, each party has a team led by one member of the party who is designated as the whip uh, to go out and you know, poll their membership and determine where they are or convince them of what the party vote on a particular topic is going to be, uh, you know, if, if it's a budget issue and you know the the Democrats are heavily in favor of the the budget, then the um, the whip for the Democratic Party in, in the in the Biden administration, that will be the majority whip in both houses, will go out and you know themselves and their teams will go out and they will basically take a head count. And see what each representative or what each senator um, is inclined to do and convince them either through negotiation or some type of deal making on voting with the party to make sure that, you know, they have the votes they need in order to accomplish the party goal. And this is called whipping the vote. Uh, it, It is, you know something that both parties do it is something that um, pretty much all elected bodies do there's there's probably you know whips in every state legislature in the country and they basically have the same role it's to make sure that the party is voting in a unified manner and along with the the party line on any particular issue so you would you would be wondering, why would the Republican leaders in both houses, uh, again, McConnell is the leader of the Senate, and McCarthy is the current minority leader and, and will be minority leader uh, in the, the next uh, Congress, uh, why would these two gentlemen in, in, in both houses not want to ensure uh, a no vote, say, on the, the impeachment uh, like they did the last time that Donald Trump was impeached. Well, to understand the answer to that question, you got to keep in mind a couple of things. Um, number one, this is another part of the games that Republicans have been playing since, you know, former President Obama's first term. Uh, they're, they're clear that they will vote as a unified body. And that they will vote in line with the party platform and party agenda. And the, the Republicans, and in particular Mitch McConnell in the Senate, are playing this as a long game. That is, they play uh, or, or they choose actions or take actions that are going to have you know, significant and relevant long-term impacts to their agenda. So Republicans are continually playing the long game always. All right. So to, to with those in mind to get back to answering the particular questions. Um, and, and first of all, of course, you know, I, I make the disclaimer that I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. You know, I don't play one on radio. I'm just the guy with a podcast who's a history geek. Uh, but in, in my opinion, these are the answers, at least four of the answers, to the question I pose as to why Republican leadership would be not going out and making sure that their party is going to vote as a unified body. Why they are essentially letting their members, you know, vote their conscience or vote the way they want to vote. And there are a couple of answers to that questions. Um both of the the McSees McConnell and McCarthy, um, they want Trump gone. They want him, you know, out of office, weakened and, you know, rendered as near irrelevant as possible. Uh, that's going to benefit them and the party in the long term uh, because it, it is going to limit the amount of, of, of static and interference and interruption and distraction That he's going to be able to cause for them, you know, in in the coming years. They also, you know, have a legitimate fear that, you know, should uh, Trump not be precluded from running for office, that he's going to run again in 2024. This would have the impact of basically splitting the party, splitting the ticket Uh, while, you know, in, in the election, you know, 74 plus million people voted Republican in the election not all of them are ardent Trump supporters a lot of them voted Republican because they were not going to vote Democrat uh, even though a lot of Republicans did in fact cross the line and, and vote in the, vote for the Democrats in the last election uh, so if Trump is free and clear to run again in 2024 uh, it, it can be pretty safely assumed that his base is going to come along with him and that is going to severely weaken the republican party chances in 2024 and i believe i talked about that in a show probably two weeks ago where you know it could end up with basically you know three parties running for president in 2024 the traditional democrats the traditional republican parties and then, you know, the whatever the Trump Party is, you know, whether it's the America First Party or the MAGA Party or whatever it's going to be called. Um, either way, a, a Trump candidacy would siphon millions of votes away from the traditional Republicans and severely weaken, if not completely destroy any chance they might have in regaining the White House uh, or in gaining control of, you know, the House and or the Senate. So, you know, having, you know, Trump precluded from running means that his base is available for capture by whoever the next round of Republican candidates for president are in 2024. You know, and related to that, you know, they clearly, you know, want to win over and take over ownership of his base and, you know, as I as I said above, just make sure that they are going to stay with the Republican Party, uh, the traditional Republican Party. And, you know, the fourth answer at this point, they realized that both the first answer I gave and the second will further destroy and damage the party and give the Democrats an advantage that could quite possibly last decades. Um, I I talked about, as I said, uh, a couple of episodes ago about if there was a a Trump led third party in the 2024 election, that it is entirely possible that the Democrats could end up racking up 400 electoral votes uh, in that that 2024 election and basically make the Republican influence in the House and Senate so small that they, they basically would, would be an almost irrelevant party. Uh, and they fear that greatly. So, I mean, there, there's more to that, you know, but you know, these four will do uh, for starters. Uh, once we get to the point where you know, the impeachment or the conviction is a certainty one way or the other, you know, then we can, can look forward and, and see how that's going to impact the Republican position in politics in this country going forward uh primarily for the next two years and the next four years but you know just as real in in looking you know the 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 cycle after that uh 2028 uh, or 2026 for the midterm coming up after the the 24 election uh and, and so forth so as i said the republicans play a long game they look very long and hard at what future impacts of present-day decisions are going to to bring and you know they they are very cognizant of the fact that a a donald trump being you know free and available to run again assuming he chooses to do so which you know is is a, a toss-up question but most pundits are saying it is likely that he would run again you know Side note, if he's not in jail, um, but, you know, would be damaging to Republican efforts going forward. Um, and, you know, this this comes out of you know, the, the fact that the, the role that Donald Trump and those of his close inner circle, you know, Rudy Rudy Giuliani, Don Trump Jr., you know, and, and so forth and and senators in the senate who were still advocating for the trump position even after the violence in the capitol had subsided and they returned to continue to vote to certify the election um, the the actions that they took were simply a bridge too far even for republican conservatives Um, even if they won't publicly admit it Uh, You know, in in their inner circle and their quiet conversations, they realize that, you know, Donald Trump is a a clear and present danger, uh, not only to the country, but to their party in particular. And it is just something that, you know, they have they have decided, you know, that quietly they are going to distance themselves. And if you pay attention, if you pay close attention to the media you'll you'll see you know what that exactly means and, and we've talked about it in the past so what we're seeing is that you know house republicans and senate republicans are starting to slowly establish some distance between themselves and you know Donald Trump and trying to reestablish their own space in communicating with the Republican base, uh, in in the hope that they will be able to transcend the the Trump presidency and maintain at least a fighting chance of regaining control of the the levers of power in the government, um, and you know this just continues this this grift that they have been playing. Um, You know for for pretty much the four years that Donald Trump's been in office but even prior to that um, you know and it 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 just means that their public view you know they were standing behind Donald Trump either out of some feigned loyalty or fear Uh, but as you know the presidency of Donald Trump ends in a couple of days And as we move forward and see what happens to him and and, uh, what he does, particularly since he no longer has access to Twitter and and other social media platforms, we're going to talk about that in a minute. um, They are looking to reestablish some level of independence between themselves and, you know, the the Trump legacy. Uh, For their own political reasons. Again, it's part of the grift, part of the game. Uh, It's part of that long term strategy that the Republican Party lives by. So it will remain to be seen, you know, just what happens in the days, weeks, months and years uh, beyond the Trump presidency to see how the Republican Party positions itself and how you know they view and treat you know donald trump and in particular his his followers uh as we go forward so you know like i said it's going to be an interesting process to watch um you know I, i don't know what your position is you know with regard to uh the future of donald trump and the future of the republican party if you want to weigh in with that, please make sure you send an email to to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. Um, please go to our Facebook page as I will be posting more information you know, about what happens post-inauguration as details come out. And I will also be tweeting the same. Uh, the Facebook page is firedupradio at facebook.com. And the Twitter handle is... R, the letter U fired up, that's all one word, uh coming out of Twitter. So all right, we'll uh grab our second break here and then come in for the uh closing segment of the show and I wanna talk about uh COVID nineteen and the American response. You're listening to Fired Up Radio, this is Steve. We'll be right back after this very brief break. And welcome back. Welcome back to the final segment here of Fired Up Radio for this Monday, uh, January 18th, Martin Luther King Day, and two days before the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris to be president and vice president, respectively. So, uh, as we uh, wind up the final segment here on Fired Up, I wanted to uh, jump back a little bit and talk a little more about uh, the COVID, uh, pandemic here in this country, but in particular, I wanted to talk about what the response has been and what the impact of that response is and what it will be going forward. Um, we all know that in December, uh, around the middle of December, the Trump administration, uh, signed a $900 billion, uh, COVID relief bill, uh, which was a slimmed-down version of the CARES Act, which uh, provided uh, $600 direct stimulus payment to qualifying Americans and a $300 weekly supplemental job benefit. Uh, It expanded the Paycheck Protection Program and uh, provided some limited relief for renters and homeowners facing eviction. Uh, the government had already spent, prior to this legislation, about $2.3 trillion from the CARES Act and about $700 billion from various other econ- economic aid packages for a total of just over $3 trillion dedicated to pandemic relief. Now, with the new measures which arrived after you know months of congressional gridlock and last-minute negotiations, uh, this is going to push that total uh, nearly to nearly $4 with with a T, dollars. And that's before the impact of the Biden uh, American Rescue Act comes through, which is going to add another $1.9 trillion to that total, bring it to nearly $6 trillion in total. Now, I mean anybody will admit that is a large chunk of change um, but you know realize that you know it it, it still isn't the highest amount per capita uh, spent by countries in the world uh, in terms of economic relief for their populations uh, that would put the United States uh, somewhere around nineteen and a half percent of GDP uh, for economic relief due to COVID, uh, which puts us uh, uh, sixth in the world. Japan has already committed more than 42% of GDP to COVID re- relief. Uh, the country of Slovenia uh, is second at 24.5. Sweden stands at 20.9%. Finland is just behind them at 208 And Germany is at 20.3%. By comparison, the United Kingdom, which has seen a surge in the uh, COVID pandemic in recent months, and particularly with the new variant that has popped up and hit their country uh, pretty hard, they're only uh, committing about 9% of their GDP. Now, realize that in terms of pure numbers, the United States number is higher than all of those countries, but when you balance it in terms of, you know, per you know, gross domestic product, which is the uh, total of all of the uh, economic manufacturing, all of the business output of a nation, Uh, again, we come in sixth. So, you know, there is a lot uh, remaining that we can do. And, you know, while those numbers show um, how much financial weight each country has thrown behind its relief measures, Uh, It it doesn't talk about how effective that relief has been in stabilizing each economy. Uh, For example, if we look at the U.S., um, the national poverty rate has risen faster than ever, due in part to lapses in economic relief after the CARES Act provisions expired. Again, that nine-month gap between the end of the CARES Act and the inception of the nine hundred billion dollar package signed by uh, President Trump, uh, really had a serious impact on this country uh, in terms of the the poor and middle class in suppressing and depressing their income, uh, which caused a a spike in the national uh, poverty rate. Um, you know, and if we're going to talk about you know, what is being done? Let's take a look at a couple of, of countries in comparison to the U.S. as to what other countries have done in, in terms of COVID-19 economic relief initiatives uh, in, in the United States. And again, this is an overview. This is not a detailed uh, description. Uh, We have cash payments to qualifying individuals, forgivable loans for small business, enhanced unemployment benefits, two weeks of paid sick leave due to COVID-19 illnesses for employees. Uh, France, by comparison, uh, expanded health insurance for the sick or their caregivers, extended unemployment benefits, postponed rent and utility payments for affected small businesses, Uh, And, you know, obviously that had a big impact on helping to keep uh, some of their businesses uh, open and operating. The country of Slovenia, which I mentioned was the number two company in terms of percent of GDP uh, after Japan, uh, they provide a monthly basic income for families. uh, They defer taxes for 24 months they provide financial support for workers in quarantine and parents affected by school quarantine and in Japan which is the country with the highest per GDP uh, relief cost they make cash payments to every individual and affected firms they've deferred social security contributions Uh, they have incentives for firms to invest in digitalization and green technologies In other words, to look at alternative means of generating business revenue while the impacts of COVID are still out there. Um, So, you know, it it just goes to show that, again, while we're spending a lot of money, other countries are taking some very different approaches to how they are, are helping their citizens cope with the coronavirus pandemic. And this is before we even get into discussions about the severity and extent of lockdowns. Um, England, for example, has pretty much uh, reestablished a near total lockdown uh, throughout the country uh, for for people, you know, in non-essential roles due to COVID. Other countries have, you know, have implemented local area uh, total lockdowns. Japan has done this. China has done this. Um, you know, Canada has have has implemented, you know, targeted lockdowns in several areas. So, you know, while the United States has quite a bit, there is still a a lot of options on the table that haven't been discussed. And, you know, it, it has been mentioned that the Biden administration is looking at a lot of these options being exercised in other countries to see, you know, how they might be implemented here in the United States, what the potential impacts would be, and you know, what the benefits would be. So it remains to be seen, you know, how that's going to progress. But one thing is clear, you know, their their number one focus is getting the pandemic under control and providing help and assistance to the American people. And you know hopefully they will be able to accomplish that and move forward and get vaccine distribution and shots in arms up so that more people will become immune. And hopefully that will drive down the covid presence in our country. So with that, you know, we're going to we're going to leave it on that up note that we hope uh, the the Biden administration lives up to its promises and its commitments uh... each of you please make sure you take care please wear your mask if you go out in public or if you're in areas where social distancing uh... isn't practical uh... please make sure that you do social distance where you can and of course practice you know good and consistent hygiene that's going to do it for this week's show as always i'm really grateful for each of you tuning in uh... if you want to reach out please make sure that you communicate through our email at FiredUpRadio at Yahoo.com. Uh, like and subscribe to our Facebook page at FiredUpRadio at Facebook.com and ditto on our Twitter page at are you fired Up. That's going to wrap this show. Please, everyone, take care, stay safe, and I look forward to talking to you all again in seven days.